0: BSD Now episode 293, Booking Jails. This is a special episode that we have for you this week because it's an interview with Michael W. Lucas that is, of course, long enough to be its old episode. And we're talking everything about his latest book uh, about jails and all other things about writing, book sponsoring, the upcoming BSD Can 2019 conference and more in this week's episode of BSD Now. BSD Now. So, we have an interview this week, uh, and he's back in his usual form, Michael W. Lucas, and um, yeah, he just finished uh, his latest book, FreeBSD Mastery Jails, and uh, we definitely want to know everything about it. So, welcome back to the show, and congratulations on that latest book. Thanks! Yeah, uh, the first question is, how many books did you have to write before you could start on FreeBSD Mastery Jails? Well,
1: I've got a few here. I thought of this back in 2013, just as soon as I did the uh, ZFS book. Sorry, the the OpenBSD book. I said, we need a book on jails. But jails are all about storage. So I I wrote a couple books on storage. If you really want to use ZFS, though, or jails, you need ZFS. So I sucked in Alan. (laughs) And I... I persuaded him to volunteer and made him think it was his idea. Yeah. Which is, you know, one of the nefarious things I'm most proud of.
2: And you know, and that was only going to be one book originally, right?
1: Yes, yes. It's not my fault you know so much. Uh and and jails now with Vnet, you really need networking. So You pretty much have to know everything that's in this. And by that time, uh, things like package ng and installation and even syslogd has changed. So pretty much I had to write all of this. So before you start on jails, know this. And then you can really start to leverage them. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, well,
0: if it's needed, then it's good for people to, you know, read them in order.
1: Well, we uh, a lot of people know most of that, and I, I find that we always have holes in our knowledge. And you don't have to read my particular books. Other people have written books that are perfectly good. Uh, Of course, I'd prefer you read mine, but, you know, uh, basically, if you want to make jails do something neat, you have to understand what's behind the scenes in that, whether it be networking or file systems or what have you.
2: Yeah, we even had some level of that with the ZFS book, where really the question of the order was the hardest thing. It's like... Well, to explain this concept, it helps if you already know this concept, but in order to explain that, we should first do this and then so it's not like you know it'll be like the uh the Tom Clancy books there'll be like six different orders you could read them in uh for the best result
1: <laughs> yes, and there and there were some topics we had to cut into thirds mm-hmm. like okay, you have to know this piece in the beginning and and then we can explain this in the middle, and then at the end, you get this.
2: Yeah, because if you started with all of it up front, it, it you would lose the reader. But if you uh, saved it all to the end, they wouldn't grasp bits that would help with other
1: bits as they're building up. Yes. Yes. Mm. And, and that's really what books, tech books are about, is the order in which information is presented. Once you have that, everything else is easy.
0: mm So, um, but there's also FreeBSD, Absolute FreeBSD, that also was written during that time. So you you did some stuff in uh, from the jails into that book as well.
1: Well, there's uh, the jails book is about seven times as long as the jail information in Absolute FreeBSD. There's a lot you can do with jails. I mean, jails have been around now for twenty years, about. So the the trick is uh figuring out what you want to do and and really just getting a basic jail up and running is easy. Uh but then doing all of the the nifty things like base jails and cloning and setting up little virtual networks that gets complicated really quick. <laughs>
2: Oh, and yeah, it, And it kind of branches out into other parts of the system where, you know, sure, there's all the setup you have to do for the jail, but you also have to configure the base system itself to do stuff for you. You know, if you're yes. going to create jails that don't have regular routable IPs or whatever, then you're going to have yes. to set up some kind of NAT or something. And I think it's leads into the next question is like. How much research did you have to do to be able to write a book about jails?
1: About six years worth. <laughs> right. well, here, yeah, well, here's the thing. We have uh, jails started out kind of simple and pretty straightforward. Uh, think back to 1999, 98, sorry, when PHK first put this jail code in. Uh, UFS was the file system. Uh, FreeBSD had basic networking like IP forwarding and such, but uh, bridges weren't really a concern then. Uh, Virtual networking was not a thing. This this was almost pre-full virtualization. I forget what year VMware came out, uh, let let alone QMU and and all the others. But so we started off with, here's this neat thing. People came along and said, oh, cool, I want to do this. And they were, the the features of jails kind of followed a a clear pattern where people want to do a thing. The thing can't be done. Here's a workaround for the thing oh, the workaround is hideous. Here's an official way to do it. Um, Oh, that official way is awful. Here's the proper way to do it. Uh, And sometimes that proper way was replaced a couple times. So I, I went digging through blog posts and news groups and had to check the date on everything because the knowledge of how to configure jails really is tribal knowledge. And I would find a, a beautiful-looking blog post from 2005 that explained, say, how System 5 IPC is configured. Mm-hmm. Well, me using docs from 2005 is like someone in the year 2035 trying to use my book to configure a system. That's how far away it is. Uh, So it took a lot of careful evaluation of all of the information. And I've literally spent years on this.
2: So it probably doesn't help that, say, the IPC stuff changed like last year. Maybe it was 2017, but I think it was 2018.
1: I, I got the System 5 IPC changes. They are in the book. Yes. Um, and whoever no. committed
2: those, I hate you. <laughs> but you can run yeah, well, two Postgres servers now.
1: Yes, yes. And and it's a lovely feature. It truly is. Um, but they came out and I went, oh, crap, and frantically rewrote stuff. And I'm thanks for
2: invalidating for all my research.
1: So I I dealt with all of that history in the book pretty much by ignoring it. Mm -hmm. Uh, There there are old ways to configure everything. And people have done some really clever things to make jails work the way they want to. And, And what I'm really hoping is that people can avoid stumbling on that wonderful blog post from 2005 and instead do the new, easier way.
2: Yeah, like, uh, kind of touched on it a little bit, but the concept of base jails came about in a time so, where the three or four or five hundred megabytes of space that a base install of FreeBSD took was a large portion of your hard drive. And so oh, you might not want to have eight copies of it just because you have eight jails.
1: Right, right. uh, uh Back in 98, 128 meg was a reasonable amount of memory for a server. Mm-hmm. Today, we won't put up with that on a smartphone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> True. You know, I, uh, I think even those thumbnail-sized Raspberry Pis have, what, a gig of memory? So, something like that. So what was impossible back then is, is routine now. If someone had said back in 98 that we're going to skip System 5 IPC, you know, uh, I'm sorry, we're going to create a new System 5 IPC space for every jail just by default. Uh, We sysadmins would look at our our big hefty servers and their 128 meg of RAM and go, no, no, don't do this to me because that, that was a serious load. Now a server has 128 gig of memory and nobody cares about that, about wasting a megabyte here and there allocating stuff that might not be used. I mean I'm part of me rebels at this. I I remember compiling kernels on a four eighty six to save two and a half meg of RAM. <sighs> yeah. Thoughts are changing. Times are changing. And the truth is, I'm tired of compiling kernels. I don't want to do that anymore.
2: I've been lucky. I've I've not had to do that since FreeBSD 8 or so. Everything I've wanted has always been available as a module. Yes. Yes. The image uh, was the missing bit until recently.
1: Yes. And the image was uh, just became default in 12. I... I kind of waited to release the book until 12 came out, specifically for vImage. And if you're looking at installing a jail host, install 12 or later.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: As vImage changes everything for the better.
0: Yeah, Yeah, Uh, a lot of people are happy with that.
1: Yes.
2: uh, Because even for me, even just having uh, fibs, having multiple routing tables and be able to say, this jail is going to use this other routing table. Was important because the default route for the host machine goes directly to the internet, but the jail yep. it it has an internal address and needs to be natted, and so it needs to go to a different router and have that happen before it goes out to the internet, because the internet will uh, see your one nine two one six eight address and laugh at you.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> Well, and I'm I'm sure that you have, you know, BCP38 on your network, Alan, and you black hole all of that before it leaves your network. Right. Because you are a good and decent sysadmin.
2: Well, that'd be the network admin job, but yes.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> we all wear too many hats.
0: Yes. yeah, uh, That's, uh, yeah, sometimes it's unavoidable. Um, So, we had a little look into the book already, uh, and it talks about something called incomplete jails. And uh, What do you mean by that?
1: Well, th- this is something that has been kicking around for a long time. It's had a bunch of different names, and nobody's really uh, formalized it. So I said, what the heck, Can I put it in the book because it's incredibly useful. A jail is a collection of namespace transformations. Uh, for example, with a with your file system, you, you've moved the root directory elsewhere in the file system and it's a subset of the host. With processes, it's a it's a restricted subset of processes on the host that you see from the jail. With the network, you've strip down which addresses it can see. And you don't have to perform all of those transformations. Uh, I see a lot of people doing a lot of work with jails on a single IP. And they, they bind the jail to an address on the loop back, and then they use NAT to send traffic to that jail. And they're they're caging individual services like the web server and whatnot. The thing is, you don't have to transform the IP four namespace if you want your web server in a jail and it's just has port eighty and four four three. Let the jail inherit the whole IP stack. Get rid of that NAT and that part of the firewall you'll still want a firewall to protect your host of course but don't worry about that uh you can run a jail without restricting the file system have you can set up a jail whose root directory is the host's actual file system root and this may seem counterintuitive but it lets you do things like uh Everything that starts in this jail is part of a single group of processes. And yes, we have Unix process groups, uh, but we still get zombies and weird crap happens. Uh, I've run more than one application server. Uh, Java applications have been my particular uh, cross to bear. But many people have their particular hates of some application that starts up 30 processes and ever so often it goes utterly insane and, and processes spew out everywhere and you have to go in and try to kill this thing and it just won't die. Uh, and the host itself is probably sluggish because this application is going amok. By running this process in a jail, you, can, you put everything in one bucket and when it goes insane, you you kill the bucket as a whole and everything is dead. There are no zombies. There are no orphans. There's nothing left flailing around looking for its parent. It's mm. truly gone. Uh, Solaris has something in C groups that's very similar. And I, I came across many cases where Uh, In my research, people discovered this and said, wow, this is perfect. But it was independently. It seems to have been independently figured out by many people over the years, and it never really goes anywhere. But this is a powerful tool. Uh, If you don't need to have fancy natting to your jail, don't bother setting that up. Complexity breeds downtime. If you don't need to restrict this horrible application to a subset of the file system, don't bother. You just use the jail to hold it and and make it one single thing. There's uh, uh, one of the tech reviewers for the book actually took this idea, and he's got he submitted something to jail all FreeBSD services at startup. Oh, interesting. So every single daemon gets its own jail. So if anything should go amok, it can be easily managed. Um, and there, there's some discussion over that. I don't know if it'll even happen. Uh, there, there are probably very good reasons why that won't happen, but it's an interesting idea.
2: Well, yeah, I remember discussing this idea with John Baldwin and a few other people at a FreeBSD storage summit a couple of years ago. In particular, going all the way to the concept of a null jail, a jail with no restrictions at all, and just using it as a container to apply policies to, like CPU set. If you want to make sure that Java program doesn't make the whole server sluggish, it can use all except one of my cores. And maybe the second application can use all but one, but not the same one, uh, so that I have CPU left over to manage the system uh, when these oh, applications yes. go haywire. Um, or you know the the resource limit stuff um, to make sure oh. that you can so not have the disadvantage of a jail where you know the application has to be able to run without access to the rest of the system. So jail with no restrictions, but then I can apply resource limits to it or just treat it as you know this arbitrary group of processes
1: yes uh, cpu set and resource limits are a beautiful thing um if you haven't looked at them you really should Uh, i started playing with them uh and and some of them seemed too good to be true like you can set how much cpu time a process can use and and uh, I don't know how to guess how much CPU time a process is going to use. I don't know many people who can, but you can also set wall clock time. Say so if this runs longer than this time, uh, kill the process. And I, I, of course, tested this by setting a time li- limit of 30 seconds on PID 1. And it works. It worked perfectly. <laughs> Yeah, for a short amount of time. Yes, yes. I I had to boot into single user mode because it was in the startup script. (laughs) And, yeah, don't do that.
2: Didn't leave you enough time to turn it back off before it rebooted again?
1: (laughs) Yes. Or, for example, if user BCR has any processes that run longer than five minutes, kill them. You know, like shells. Yeah. Yeah. No one needs those. Yeah, no. He's just wasting time. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I think last time I looked at the, the CPU limiting for actually like, you know, this process can only use, or this jail can only use 50% of the CPU or whatever, uh, was a bit, uh, stuttery or something. It, uh, you could use up your quota in the first, like one third of a second and then spend the next two thirds doing nothing. And at the beginning of the next second run again,
1: you, you are better off, uh, using CPU set to limit a jail. And let the kernel fight it out. Mm-hmm. Uh and, and yes, if you really want to go fine-grained and, and break down how much time in fractions of a CPU a jail can use or a user or whatever, it can be very herky-jerky. It it's It is no different than limiting the load on a web server by saying it can transmit one gig an hour, uh, but it has 20 gigs an hour of requests. Mm -hmm. So, um, choose your headache. Yeah. But CPUs are cheap.
2: Yeah, and you you tend to have quite a few of them nowadays compared to, you know.
1: (laughs) Yes. Just say this jail may use this CPU and forget it.
2: This subset of my CPUs, yeah.
1: Yes. And if you want a jail, if you want your standard to be each jail gets a quarter of a CPU, uh, assign four jails to each CPU. The kernel will schedule it. It'll handle it. Yep.
2: Uh, So, like you were talking about, as jails kind of have grown over time in the... right way to do things has changed as we went from ugly hack to the official way to the user-friendly way uh, and then, you know, the new official way and then the new user-friendly way. Uh, there have been a lot of different jail management frameworks, uh, both classic and current. Uh, why did you choose to write about ioCage for this book?
1: Well, um, ioCage sucks less. I tried a bunch of tools. It is ZFS aware uh, and, and actually takes pretty sensible advantage of ZFS. And and the one feature that really caught my attention was plugins. Mm. Uh, IOKH plugins are poised to go right up against Docker. You can run a command and... IOKAGE will say, uh, have you ever configured Elasticsearch? It's, it's kind of a pain. Mm. But yeah, you need the
0: right versions and yeah, everything has to fit together. and yeah.
1: Yep, you can run a command and grab an IOKAGE plugin that is an, a fully working Elasticsearch server and it will install it on your host nice and and that's it the nice thing is also with their official repository the plugins have all been fairly sensibly audited uh you know how if you download a random docker container you may find a bunch of stuff runs as root and it may have extra services running and who knows what
2: it, every one of these docker containers has the same ssh host key
1: yes <laughs> Yes, and the the ILKH plugins, as far as I could tell, avoided the really obvious mistakes. I'm, I'm not saying there's, they're perfect. There's probably something wrong with some of them, uh, but they, they take pull requests. You can, of course, download a plugin file and install a plugin from a local file and you know what random things you find on the internet are your own responsibility uh, so and and the the developer i uh, I wound up sending him a few bug reports and he he took them as personal affronts and jumped on them and got them fixed
0: ah that's the best way to handle it <laughs>
1: Uh, so that's why ioCage, and not any of the other three dozen management frameworks. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I've, I've been meaning to try it, but I'm still using my same old management framework I've been using for like ten years now, and I know all of its eccentricities, so it's it's handy for me. But uh, I generally it- don't need the advantage I get from the concept of base jails anymore, and I, I would be fine with just having a data set for each one. Although sometimes it's handy to be able to upgrade eight jails at once by upgrading one base jail.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, that is the real reason to have base jails now is for synchronized servers. Although base jails have some... Uh... Base jails are perhaps the most complex uh sort of jail you can build and and uh, the the one of the big problems i had with them was even the language that we used to talk about them it is it is perfectly it makes perfect sense to say something like uh my base jail's based on a base jail based in the base <laughs> at this yep. point people are allowed to slap you
0: mm-hmm.
1: So I wound up uh, going with origin jails and derived jails as the components of base jails. Mm -hmm. Because we we don't need the word base abused any more than it already is. Yeah. Uh, But then you have things like, how do you handle packages? Are all of your jails really identical in package sets? Because uh, you want some software available everywhere, but then you want to be able to tweak it. And and there there's a whole variety of ways to choose your pain. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's, it's kind of why I've been working towards a bit more of a, a way of managing the host OS that's a little closer to the way that I've done jails before to make it easier to do <laughs> upgrades. Because uh, the other problem with... The, the base jail concept is that when you upgrade the base jail, there are the bits of the jail that are not part of the base jail that don't get upgraded.
1: Yes. I remember
2: when Warren Block wrote the instructions on how to update the ETC directory on a, an Easy base, uh, Jail based jail because the base jail excludes ETC and it gets a bit hairy.
1: I tell people to just share user source and run Merge Master. There are other ways to do it. There's an infinite number of ways to do this. I, I mean, I think John Baldwin wrote a three-way Etsy merge tool.
2: Yes. ETC update is quite good, but only if you don't have to manage it manually, in particular the um, updating what the current and the previous original files were. Uh, it's handled by the base system as part of upgrading it with uh FreeBSD update or a source build or whatever, but... In the jail, it's not going to be done quite the same way and it'll get a bit complicated. And the other thing is, yep. it's a tool for merging config files designed for people who normally deal with merge conflicts in SVN all the time. <laughs> which, which fits <laughs> John does. Baldwin and most of the FreeBSD developers quite well, but doesn't necessarily translate to sysmins, uh, who are like, what have you done to my config files?
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I, I'm... I am fond of Merge Master simply because I it's it's not great, but I know it's funny little ways. Yes.
2: Uh, mm. And if you run it with the right flags, it doesn't ask you the silly questions.
1: Yes. You don't or you put it in the, comi- the, uh, in the configuration file and get on with your life.
2: Uh, no. But then you don't get to do Merge Master dash F-U. <laughs> F-I-U. F-I-U. Yeah, well. Well, it's, it's, it's I and then uppercase F-U. Uh, yeah. And then... Then you don't have to merge the dollar sign FreeBSD lines, which is super helpful. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I wish the the merging thing in FreeBSD update would learn that particular trick.
1: <sighs> that well, you, you know who to yell at for that.
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and I know exactly what they'll say. Go to it
0: yourself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you have a commitment, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, I haven't got around to trying it yet. But the a feature introduced in ZFS a couple years ago uh, allows you to do a ZFS receive to an existing dataset, end up creating a new clone. So you, uh, oh. normally we, 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 normally you create a clone by taking a snapshot of a data set and creating the clone. but they have the way what? to basically receive as a clone. So you target that same uh, snapshot and receive this data set as a clone. Apparently huh. what you can do with this is take, if you have your you know, vanilla installed a base system and you've cloned it for your jails, uh, you update the unmodified one and then send the difference to the other ones. And it's <gasps> supposed to um, re-commonize the blocks that are shared.
1: Now that would be interesting.
2: Yeah. I- I'm not sure which way around you have to do the dance. Because uh, I think what you end up doing is sending the changes from the clones back to a snapshot of the original origin data set and creating a new clone and then have to swap them or something. I, I need to play with Ooh. it some more and, and make sure it actually does
1: what I think it does. <laughs> yes, cause the, the one thing about using clone jails on FreeBSD is the divergence of the file system. And And if you can reduce that, that would be fantastic. Mm -hmm. And also keep it from overriding, say, var log and etc.
2: Yeah, so you basically take your local modifications and rebase them on a newer snapshot uh, so that you basically re-commonize them. I think if you did it that way, I think you'd have to still do the upgrade in each jail and then do the recommonizing. Probably. Sure.
1: Yeah. and that that would save that would save space. Or you could just use thick jails and avoid the whole problem.
2: Yes, uh, because in the end, you know, once you compress it, a, a FreeBSD jail is only going to take a few hundred megabytes. <laughs>
1: right and the 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 one thing I've really learned in this is file system complexity is directly proportional to downtime the fancier you get the more things go wrong
2: yeah yep you should see my jail that has 200 something ZFS datasets delegated into it
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I no, no, I really shouldn't see that.
2: <laughs> well, see, we put the customers in a jail so that they don't touch the machine uh, and each customer has their own data set because uh, otherwise you can't delete a snapshot uh, without make or we can't get the f- space back uh, right. without deleting the snapshot for everyone instead of only the
0: one person.
1: Yeah, of course. Hmm.
0: Uh, speaking of too many things, uh, how many jails do you run yourself?
1: Um, well, I counted before this talk, thinking I've only got a couple. And um, no, no, I have 26. Oh, that's not
0: bad. And it shows the, the practice that, oh, I need to run a new service. Let's put
1: it in a jail right uh, from the beginning. Jail all the things. I mean, you can... Uh, most of my servers now are virtual. And you get, you know, what, half a terabyte of disk and, and four processors and four gig of RAM for 40 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty there cheap. is no reason not to use a jail. And it it's slightly more annoying to set up. But... It saves so much trouble. It, it, yeah. it, it, if uh, one of my applications say uh my my go-to example in this is you know PHP 5.6 versus PHP 7.2. Mm. Uh 5.6 just went into life and, and I truly hope one day to have the time to stop using it. Uh but I don't want those to conflict. I, I don't want the packages to conflict. Just jail it all and move one service at a time. Not everything as a giant monolithic hole. Well, wasn't
2: running two versions of PHP concurrently the original very first use case of jails? I don't know. I'm pretty sure the web hosting company that paid PHK to do it was specifically to use it as their migration mechanism to have PHP X running over here and PHP Y running over here on the same machine without making them fight each other.
1: I would not be surprised because that, if, if you set aside all of the security stuff about jails uh, and just what are they from a sysadmin perspective, they are a way to make lumps of software. Self-contained lumps that you deal with as individual lumps that do not touch the rest of the system. Your only real issue is the jail operating system version cannot be newer than the host. You have to upgrade the host first. I mean, I have run FreeBSD 4 systems jailed in FreeBSD 10. Uh, that, that was a, a server that uh, at my last job the a mission critical application had somehow been installed on a converted desktop. It was running FreeBSD 410 and had like PHP 2 and MySQL one and a half and and it had it, it was running IPF because that was the firewall back in the day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I looked at this and said, oh my God, if this machine dies, we're all doomed. We had a second identical desktop, but getting FreeBSD 410 on a server is not what I want to do. So I, I tarred it up, jailed it. It ran just fine. I, apparently... You can run even older FreeBSD in a jail. Uh, you you need a custom kernel that supports a.out binaries. And if if you need to jail some application running FreeBSD running on say two point two or something, uh, you I would strongly encourage you to reconsider your business strategy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm sure there's someone doing it, and I'm sure that that person would really love to take my advice, and they, pr- I'm, I will believe them when they say they're stuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But-
2: I, I had a, a FreeBSD seven point something jail still running on a FreeBSD eleven point one machine until we finally managed to basically rebuild the application so it would work on modern uh, system.
1: Yeah. You. You use the host to protect the jail. You know, use a modern firewall, uh, that kind of thing. That sort of operation is not about restoring the server as a functional server. You know, you 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 throw away the jail's SSH daemon and its firewall, and you use the host services. It's all about bringing up the app and and allowing that app to run in the smallest possible space with the smallest exposure to anything because it's still php2 and mysql one and a half or whatever it was
2: Mm -hmm. and but about the other half of the times i use jails exactly the opposite to protect my host system from whatever crap i'm going to do in the jail
1: oh oh yes um when i
2: need to install some packages or try something give me a fresh jail it's faster than spinning up a vm and it's cleaner, and it's faster, and I can throw it away when I'm done.
1: And and the load, the resource requirements for a jail are minuscule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing. You start an empty jail, and what kind of resources does it need? It needs disk space. Well, practically these days, as far as operating system installs go, disk space is infinite. Mm-hmm walk over to the computer store there's a 10 terabyte hard drive uh for 99 bucks disk space is infinite a jail on its own starts three processes cron syslog and the the sendmail submit that will forward email to whoever's supposed to get uh that's nothing mm-hmm. jails are i i jail every single service mhm
2: because the other reason I do that is, you know, I have a bunch of servers and uh, now I need to take one of them down for maintenance to do something to it. I'm going to replace the network card with a 10 gate card or something. Well, I can snapshot the jail, replicate yep. that to the other host, uh, then do an incremental if it took too long. Then I stop the jail, one more snapshot, replicate that, and then start the jail on the other machine. Uh, and in with, basically a minute of downtime, uh, move all the applications to a different machine uh, such that I can then power off the first machine with no interruption.
1: Yep. And, and that's one nice thing uh, IOKH does for you. It has an import-export function that bundles up the jail as a thing, and then you just copy it over and import it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to do the final... Sync manually from a snapshot, of course, but yeah. Uh, yes, j- jails jail all the things. Mm. I saw
2: a very interesting talk at AsiaBSDCon a couple weeks ago, uh, where they ported the Run C container framework uh, stuff yes. to use to work on FreeBSD with jails, uh, such that they could migrate docker container from linux to freebsd and have the processes start up again and run it it, it migrates the contents of the TCP socket buffer and keeps the connections you had open open this is it's not actually live migration it's it's pause migration but pause migration can be of jails between freebsd machines or between operating systems even
0: Well, yeah, or it's even migration in the first place from yeah. Docker into jails. Some people want to get rid well, they, of Dockers.
2: Both of them, it's just run C, so it's, you can use Docker as a front end to that, but it's not Docker-specific, really. It's
0: mm.
1: We live in an age of miracles.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, made by computers. Mm-hmm. Very much so, yeah. Uh, interesting prospects.
2: Somebody's university <laughs> research project on the concept of you know, you can never trust any one operating system not to have uh, a critical bug in it. So, if you have two different operating systems and you can ping pong your work between them, based uh, you know when yes. something goes wrong, then that's a very useful feature. It is. And we see a number of places that use FreeBSD specifically for that. Like uh, Verisign runs the .com and .net root level domains, and they run it on half Linux and half FreeBSD specifically for that purpose.
1: My last job, we specifically had uh, OS diversity and vendor diversity. Uh, no single component was all from one vendor. Yep. And we had border attacks that knocked down all the Cisco routers, but the MicroTik stuff stayed up. Hmm. It never happened the other way around. Kind of weird <laughs> that. But, you know, it's theoretically possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it could happen. So yes. Yeah it's all playful. Yep. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh so shifting gears a little bit, uh sure. tell us how you uh how the book sponsorship stuff went with the jails book and how you're planning to do things going forward.
1: Well, uh this was the most sponsored book I've ever done. There were twenty-seven print sponsors. Ooh. And I forget there was all told 127 people backed this book before it was released, which is just amazing. I, I think part of that was because the sponsorship was open so long, and people kind of uh, stumbled across it. I'm sorry, 123 backers.
0: Oh Wow,
1: We've so come a long way. <laughs> that's huge. These yeah. people, they paid me, they overpaid me for the book before it even came out. Uh, and and when, when I first tried this with the Advanced ZFS book, I thought it was a stupid idea. There's no way anyone would do this. And uh, several people did, and the money came in. At the same day that my water heater exploded, so uh, the sponsorship fixed the hot water heater, and I took that as a sign mm-hmm. that maybe I should keep doing this. And uh, I am I am astonished and grateful. What many of the sponsors even ask me to tell them when the next sponsorship happens because they want to back it, and I, I have the best intentions. I keep those emails in my inbox So I see them and don't forget them Uh, My inbox, of course, is an unspeakable black hole Uh, They just photographed one of those today It looks looks exactly like my inbox So I've started a mailing list That if you want to know about the sponsorship uh, You can sign up for the mailing list And I will tell you when they are available because I've been posting these on Twitter and on my blog. And and uh, the, the problem with that is, you know, busy people don't sit around reading my blog. People who have a lot of money are generally busy. And it, it's much better for me if I can just tell them to give me money. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> easy solution.
1: Them do, and I, I love every one of them. So that uh, the the I just got today the the copies for the print sponsors, uh, and they are all getting hardcovers. So they get their name in the book. There there it goes, goes. There's a page and a half of them. The the dust cover. There's no text on it. You Ooh, get yes. just the art. Huh. Nice. So, uh, I, I do have to put the name on the cover, so it's on or on the dust jacket, but I can put it on the inside. So print sponsors are going to get a nice, useful blunt instrument that's allowed in the office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well hidden.
0: <laughs> okay, I think that's, that will make more people uh, attracted to sponsoring future books. Um, uh, We'll see. So what other books, fiction or nonfiction, are you currently working on?
1: Well, uh, my writing schedule has been in kind of a mess. Uh, uh, I've been slowed down the last couple of years. It, it turns out uh, my thyroid was bad. I, I got my throat cut and life is so much better. I'm and I'm tr- I'm trying to pull my schedule back in uh, and and get it organized. So uh, I'm working on, uh, I have four half finished novels. I'm buckling down in the next couple weeks to finish just one of them. Because, mm-hmm. you know, anytime you have a project and it's interrupted repeatedly, you, you start to build up a dread of that project. Mm-hmm. And really the only thing for it is just to shut up, buckle down, and do it. So finish a novel in the next couple weeks and uh, that'll be uh, Terrapin Sky Tango, the sequel to Butterfly Stomp Waltz. Uh, and then I'm diving in on a second edition of Pseudo Mastery. Oh. That one's up for sponsorship now, by the way. Hit, I'm hit. supposed to shill those things in this interview. Like, like uh, it, it's you know practice for my inevitable interview on, like, Fox News or ABC or whatever. Uh, the next thing that comes after you? The next season? thing that comes up. So uh, New pseudo mastery uh, Pseudo has actually changed some In the last six years
0: They uh, all grow up so fast Yep
1: They grow up so fast But I have uh, uh, I have some fun cover art uh, Planned for that God help me It will be dogs playing poker <laughs> but, Beastie, <laughs> Ox, and the Minix Raccoon, and some others. So, uh, that and after that, I'm going to have to see. I'm, I'm still dragging the schedule to get back together, and I don't want to be uh, too ambitious, because I'll just disappoint myself. Mm. I mean, mm-hmm. logically, I should write two novels and a tech book every month.
0: Yeah, um,
1: uh,
0: <laughs> first you have to get back on track and then yes, you can yes. figure out what's yeah, next, so I, I'm not asking.
1: I don't yeah, remember how long it about. took
2: us to write the two ZFS books, but it was a while.
1: <laughs> it, it was. Hmm.
2: And but it yeah, definitely, it, the second the one, a lot was of good. that
1: was on me. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say that on camera, but since yeah. you brought it up, yes. <laughs>
0: uh, anything about uh, Get sync
1: Murder? That that's on the list. It's one of the four. I'm uh people keep asking for a sequel to get commit murder. And it it will happen, but I don't know when. Okay. Then we'll, we'll yeah. wait At
2: this point you just have to make sure it's ready in time for BSD Cam twenty twenty. So you got some schedules. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Alan.
0: <laughs> no
1: pressure. You plenty of time this way. Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> and also with the BSD cans in between, you get a lot more inspiration from the things that are happening there.
1: Perhaps. We'll, we'll have to see what I do and where it's set and all of that.
2: All uh, oh, right. Yes, I, I think originally it wasn't. It was set somewhere at more like I, a Penguacan or something, wasn't it?
1: I'm, I'm kind of looking at a con that bears a suspicious resemblance to Penguacan. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to have like 10 talks there this year, mostly panels. Because panels are easy. I wind up other people and make them babble. Yeah. But I will be doing the get...
2: mm-hmm. Yeah. We've never managed to get uh panels really going at BSD Cane. We should try that next year.
1: What well, we've talked about it. If we had to fill in gaps in the schedule, we would certainly do a panel. Mm-hmm. Uh but the the BSDCAN schedule is pretty full of pretty awesome talks. I mean, we had to yeah. add a fourth room. Mm-hmm. And oh, yes.
2: I wouldn't change that, it, though. So, yeah, I see what you're
1: saying. Now, we have all the boffs during lunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I am, after years of asking, I'm, I'm thinking Friday night I will... Finally do the gelato crawl for those who think they're brave enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, It's it's becoming a tradition.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We might as well make it official.
1: Absolutely. But, you know, there are like five little gelato shops in the market. And you know how a pub crawl, you get a beer at each and keep going. Mm -hmm. Well, we, we should do the same thing with the gelato run. By all means, yeah. So <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, yeah. BSD can should be pretty good this year. Uh, we have some. Uh, we have some wonderful talks. Uh,
2: well, yes. Actually, the next question is: uh, What are you most looking forward to at the upcoming BSD can?
1: <laughs> what I'm most looking forward to it really is just talking to the people, getting the insights. Mm-hmm. I mean, if something happens, if if I get in a conversation with, uh, you know, Peter Wem or Bob Beck about what's really going on, uh, I'm, I'm going to stay in that conversation and miss the talk. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. But uh, the, the things I'm really looking forward to, they, there's a, a talk on accessible OpenBSD uh, that I really want to see. We at Semibug, oh, maybe a year ago, we had uh, a speaker who was blind give a talk on Dragonfly BSD for the blind mm. and how he found that much more usable than the uh, Ubuntu for the blind. So, and and all the things he had to do to make it actually work for him, which was very cool, and I, I want to see what OpenBSD does there. Yeah, uh,
2: there's... Uh... A user that comes to meet BSD most times uh, that's blind as well, and he was saying that um, most of it's pretty usable once you get the serial console stuff set up. But mm-hmm. it's it's weird to have to have find someone that you can walk through doing the install when you've never seen the install. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. To, to get them to do the initial setup so that he can then take over and, and use the machine.
1: And apparently, DragonFly is really easy for that. So, I thought that was was cool. Um, Your Open ZFS talk, because there's a lot of scuttlebutt going around, and I'm just going to sit there for an hour and let you do all the research for me. Uh,
2: Well, the idea with that talk is that Matt Aaron's will do half the work, but yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, well, so the the important part of that is the person doing the work is not me. Yes. So, I'll take some notes and, and... uh, keep them for if we do a uh, some more zfs books
2: yeah that was a, a question that came into the show a couple of weeks ago is when is the next one and i'm like i don't know
1: <laughs> well we we can talk about that there's a whole bunch that goes into when do new editions come out mm-hmm. and it, it's you know has the technology changed enough Has the it will the market sustain it like uh my DNS sec book is old and a little dated, but uh, I don't know that the market will sustain a new edition.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And with
1: uh, the
2: ZFS one, it even raises the question of, do you drop the FreeBSD out of the title and make it just about ZFS in general?
1: Uh, we really could. And mm-hmm. that's one of the things to think about. Uh, although I really like the cover art. Yes. So we'd probably recycle that no matter what. For sure. <laughs> uh <laughs> So uh, there is the FreeBSD for the Linux user talk I want to see because it's important to listen to people Mm -hmm. come and try to use your tools and your software. I mean, I have used Merge Master for so long, it's my brain is not really involved.
2: Right. I've used it for so long. I used it over dial up where I was typing ahead of what I could see on the screen.
1: Yes. And was yes. like
2: merging the next file while it hadn't even drawn yet. Um, yes. that's not an experience. New users are likely to have had. No. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, and
1: the, the, the road warrior desktop recovery is a subject near to my heart. Uh, I mean uh I, I've been very fortunate when traveling that I've never had a laptop blow up. But then I look like I look at someone like Warner Losh who has lost four laptops at BSD CAN. <laughs> and I I want to be prepared. So don't uh, be
2: warned. Uh, You're in Sweden. Uh in the lecture hall, they had these the desks, uh, the seats had these weird fold out table things. But Mm -hmm. they -hmm. were counterweighted weirdly. So if you put your laptop too far back on it and opened up, it would close and drop your laptop on the floor.
1: I see no way this could go wrong. At least
2: eight laptops (laughs) got dropped badly. Uh, uh, Dan's Mac, the screen got all spiderwebbed. It was not fun. No. Luckily, my laptop consists of a ZFS send of my my workstation the day before they go, I leave for the conference and then I do this stuff and then I send it back when I go <laughs> yeah
1: why wouldn't you mm-hmm. backups yeah but less about backups, more about more
2: taking my work with me but yeah
1: yeah um and of course the goat boff mm-hmm. ah yes the goat boff
0: funny you should mention the little guy
1: oh I'm sure he doesn't want to talk to me
0: no he's not in talking mood yeah it's it there's therapy planned for that for the goat
1: that's probably best we'll
0: we'll send you the bill then (laughs)
1: go right ahead this is the united states we don't pay medical bills here we just have them and go bankrupt
0: ah Mm. yes yeah remember that ah small details
1: yes
2: yes well the goat was born in canada right maybe maybe it gets
1: oh yeah, I, I would hope so for his sake.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, but yeah, yeah I, how-
2: um, I would like to see more like new user talks or something at at uh, BSTN. And the other idea I had was uh, when I used to do the sysadmin podcast, the most popular segment was always war stories.
1: Yes, we try to always could- have some war stories.
2: Yeah, I was thinking if we could actually do something, maybe at lunchtime, kind of like the boffs, but as the lightning talks, kind of like the work in progress session you've done a couple of times. Uh, but you'd probably need to be a little more curated because people are going have to have to, you know, rehearse their war story in order to fit it into five minutes or something. But uh, having a, a series of those could be quite entertaining.
1: They really can. But the problem is we get so many good talks we We accept most of what we get uh the uh, I published a few years ago a blog post on why we reject BSD. can talks.
2: Yes, uh, we pointed people to that during the call for papers every year because it's a uh, very good it answers the questions what you should include, and also gives yes. kind of examples of what's enough and what's not enough.
1: The problem is that's made it much harder to go through and reject papers.
2: Yes, because they all meet the minimum now.
1: (laughs) Yes, they all meet the minimum. And so we have to do some digging. And there have been people who uh, we never would have considered in previous years who started submitting great proposals. And it turns out they're wonderful speakers. Mm -hmm. They just didn't know how to write a proposal. So I I don't think we're going to have that blank time in the foreseeable future. Mm. If we get a sudden surprise, I think a panel would be great. Uh, War stories would be great. I'm I'm doing a a talk this year. Uh, Actually, I'm chairing a panel at Penguicon uh, for senior sysadmins, people who've been sysadmins for 20 years or more. And we're we're talking ethics this year, which should be a lot of fun.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's an
2: important topic. Yeah, that one would even be useful to then take the results of the panel and distill it down into a a regular talk to give uh, at BSDcan or something.
1: Um. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> that could even be a book.
2: Yeah. Oh, if
1: yeah. to be recording the whole thing and mine it for ideas. Yeah. Uh,
2: I remember we, we actually had an ethics class in our network engineering and sysadmin course, although it was a little slapdash, but.
1: Well, it's, it's a topic that we talk about a little bit, and mostly, mostly we talk about our failures. I mean, I remember way back in the day when I realized that I could read all the files in VAR mail.
2: Yeah, that that was like the the first most important thing in our ethics class is like, you're going to have access to the email server. You should not read other people's email. Yes. That's not okay.
1: And then you get that one corrupt mail. That means you have to go in with vi. And, and remove one line from a mail, and you're scrolling through God knows what that they receive.
2: Use mailder. Uh, mailder. Yep. Every email so, should be a separate file.
1: It really should, but it's not by Milder. default. Huh? One of you committers should fix that.
2: Oh, yeah. so, I'm <laughs> not touching <laughs> send mail. Just use postfix, devcut, and say mailder. Problems. Uh huh.
1: <laughs> So uh yeah, I, I expect we'll be seeing PostFix integrated into FreeBSD base soon then. Uh, ooh. Yeah,
2: <laughs> well you, you can use a an IO cage pre built thing. So uh huh. Splat and you'll have a <laughs> mail server. Sure you can.
0: <laughs> sure. The well, uh, yeah. Uh <sighs> Another venue where this could be discussed is uh, BSD user group in a more regular way than just a conference. Uh, How is your user group going?
1: Uh, Our user group is pretty good. I did a a dry run last night on the Jails talk. Mm, Good. uh, Because I I take the heckling from the audience and incorporate it into the talk.
2: Yeah, that's an important function of uh, the things like BSD user groups that... uh, about five years ago when they were kind of almost all dwindled out, it was something we felt we were kind of missing is somewhere for people to develop and and practice talks in a bit more than doing it in the mirror, but less than doing it in front of 300 people.
1: Yes. That's one of the reasons we do not film our talks. It's not just so I can test slides and get free proofreading. Uh, We want people who have never given a talk to show slides in front of a, a dozen or two dozen people and and talk through it and and learn that they can do this. Mm-hmm. So and we then encourage them to go submit these BSD talks to actual conferences. Mm-hmm. So our our user group is going okay. I'm expecting it to be a little quieter over the summer because people travel and such, but Uh, We have a talk next month on Asterisk on FreeBSD. Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. We had a talk
1: last month on the history of OpenBSD from Nick Holland, who was uh, the OpenBSD FAQ maintainer since since IPF was in OpenBSD base Mm -hmm. a long time. So, uh, and we are, we are nurturing the newer committers, mostly either ports for FreeBSD, although uh, one guy is working on the, the ARM32 port for OpenBSD. So, and he is, he is right at the edge of getting a commit bit out here. So, uh, these little groups matter a lot. And if you open one, if you start one locally and you meet at the same place at the same time every month, uh, people will show. Create a Google calendar that's open to the public that just says the third Tuesday of every month we meet at uh, wherever. And people will start to show up. I'm surprised How many BSD people are in Detroit? Yeah, they come out of their holes when they see that there is such an event. They do. Uh, And they they like to hang out with their people. Now, now if I could just get uh, Joe to submit his paper uh, or his talk on using Android without Google to one of the BSD conferences, I'd be happy. But he's difficult. Hmm.
2: Uh, So was there anything else uh, you wanted to mention before we let you out of your interview jail?
1: I have books. You should buy them. The the rats need snacks.
2: (laughs) Have you ever thought of selling just the cover art as like posters?
1: I have considered it. It's on my copious free time list. Mm-hmm. Uh, i the, the truth is, I would rather spend my time writing than merchandising. right Uh,
2: it makes total sense. Like if, we would rather that as well, actually.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the The writing is what I love to do. i I do little things on the side as they amuse me. I mean, that, that's why I started doing the hardcovers. Because I said, oh, uh, that's kind of cool. I can do this now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I did the SSH one just to learn how to do hardcovers before I actually needed it. And to my surprise, people bought them. And that let me do some uh, some kind of fun things. Actually, Um if you've seen the relay D book, that has the the wrap around cover, in uh, the paperback, but I'm, I'm going to step off camera for just a sec. Yep. I was looking at this just off of camera range. This is the hardcover, and it has just the art. There's no text. Mm-hmm. Uh, except when you open it up and it's it's clearly labeled the, gratu- the gratuitously expensive hardcover version. <laughs> because uh, these are... Uh, I wish they were cheaper. They're not cheap to make yet. And all that price gets passed on directly to you. I don't make any extra on those. But uh, the the second edition pseudo book is, is designed with art specifically for wraparound dust jackets. So you'll get uh, a piece of it on the ebook. Uh, most of it in paperback and then people who are, are interested enough to buy the hardback the, the art continues in the front flap. Uh-huh. So I, th- this is how I amuse myself.
2: So there might be but an extra character that only makes an appearance in the extended cut, basically?
0: Uh,
1: sort of. Mm-hmm. I, it works oh. for, you know, Marvel movies.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, very well. <laughs> or you just buy two books, one for the hardcover to put on your, you know, on the on the wall, and then the other one to
1: read it. I, I'm halfway expecting someone to frame the puffy art. <laughs> yeah. Does that be? Why not? The the open BSD fans are, are kind of intense. So uh but so you yeah, no, I,
2: I wouldn't dog ear my hardcover copy.
1: <laughs> no. No. No paperback. Yeah, yeah. Do whatever. So no, that's about it. I have no uh I'm still writing books.
0: That's good. And that's
1: what we want to hear and see. Mm -hmm. Please help support my vermin.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) And of course, jail early, jail often.
1: Yes. Oh, oh, I forgot one thing I'm, I'm working on now, uh, at BSD can, I expect to have a special edition of the jails book for auction. Do you remember, uh, Alan, you got the, the French version of ZFS. Mm-hmm. Uh
2: huh.
1: Did you ever find out what was different in that?
2: No, I've not. it's on my copious free time list.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, well, it's been years, so I'm just going to tell you. Thank you. There's the place where we had the argument in footnotes, mm. where we stacked like four or five of them in, in a row yelling at each other. I finally have the last word in that argument. Ah. Ah. So uh
2: You're gonna have to go find that after dinner. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I'm I'm doing a bail bond denied version of the jails book. Ooh, nice. Where it's it has the cover art that I would use if I was trapped in jail and could not afford real artists.
2: Did I I see a preview of that on Twitter somewhere, I think?
1: Yes, yes. (laughs) I cannot draw. I bought some oil pastels because they scan well. And I am attempting to create cover art that will go on a real book. Exciting. So you will, uh, only five of that will exist, as usual. And you'll get the opportunity to bid on that. And the original art in the most cheap and gaudy frame I can find. <laughs> so, and, and yeah. the proceeds will go to the BSD Can charity.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's for a good cause.
1: So, that that really is all.
0: All right then. Yeah, thank you, Michael, again thank for yet much. another great interview. Thank you. And good luck with your writing.
1: Thanks. Keep up the podcast. We all watch it.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, we do. I mean, we're we're already <laughs> into it for so many hours, and you might as well continue. 293
2: <laughs> weeks in a row. We've never not had an episode.
1: I, I am impressed. I don't think I've managed to do anything 293 weeks in a row. Yeah. They, My streaks
2: cl- actually extends back into the previous show.
1: So yes. I uh, think,
0: but no one has 11? ever counted the number of words we speak on the show. So
2: well, the words, now. Uh, <laughs> I did at one point get uh, make a playlist of all the episodes of Tech Snap and it was hundreds of hours. Mm. Yeah. It's like so much of my time, but then you multiply by the number of people who watched, and it was like, I wasted so many people's time. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't
1: think it's a waste. Yeah. You know, the rest of our lives are less interesting than your podcast. If you put it that way, yeah, then it's it's kind of uplifting this way. You, yeah, you bring
0: <laughs> joy to people, and I mean, that's the news every week. It's like watching the the real news on TV, and you get well, some better information here. <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah, but definitely better. But you get some information here that you don't get uh, in other places, or sometimes earlier than at a, the next conference, and so that's interesting. And also the the interviews that makes it special.
1: It, yes, you you perform a service. Keep it up, and thank <laughs> you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You too.